uh, of the colony. And he ended up being reelected as the governor uh, over and over and over just because uh, the people trusted him and he was indeed a um, faithful civil servant. Uh, unlike um, most of the politicians in our day and time that view a position of authority as an opportunity to gain uh, a personal wealth for themselves, uh, William Bradford viewed that position as an opportunity to serve, and he poured himself out, uh, not only his time, his energy, uh, but uh, his resources, a real, a real testimony uh, of the grace of, of God. In this uh, account, um, we have a section that details for us how the settlement um, almost came to Rern. And the reason they almost came to Rern was because um, of an experiment that after they had gone through it, they thought, oh, how foolish we were. Now, before we look at that, let's go over to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, because... Um, Pastor Sam is not able to be here this morning. Um, we will not continue on in our study of the confession. Um, I'm going to leave that uh, for him. But um, the chapter that we are looking at in the confession references this particular passage. And what I want us to look at is one verse in this passage, um, and, and then we're going to kind of take what I call a rabbit trail, um, thinking together about biblical faith and um, how biblical faith is what God calls us to uh, have and exercise, and, um, and then we'll come back to Mr. Bradford here in a little bit. So Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, 
we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Well, the verse that we want to look at particularly is verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And so one of the character traits of the Christian is uh, that we are people who have faith. And what is faith? Well, um, Hebrews chapter 11 has... Um, much information about faith. Um, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah, herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. And therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. And therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, but she, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. 
They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. And therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this section of Scripture reminds us of the content of faith, the definition of faith. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that we're a people who walk by faith and not by sight. And what that means is that just because we can't take particular facts or truths and take them to a laboratory and run a test on them, uh, it doesn't mean that they're not real and true. And the book of Hebrews in this section recounts for us many, many things that uh, remind us of uh, what faith is all about. And of course, the first thing that um, we, we must remember and cling to by faith is Jesus himself. And that's the bottom line of this whole section in the book of Hebrews. And if you'll look with me, we see um, here in verse 1 of chapter 12, therefore, in light of all of this list of these <coughs> men and women uh, who lived and walked by faith, what do we need to learn from that? Well, first and foremost, of all the things, it's not the only thing, all the other things, as we will see, flow out of this central truth uh, of, of the heart of the matter, of the fountain uh, from which all of these other things now issue. You can picture in your mind a bubbling spring and all of these other blessings and aspects of faith bubble out of this fountain. And the fountain is Jesus himself. And you see that. Here's, here's what we need to learn from the testimony of all these people. What does it mean for us to walk by faith and not by sight? None of us have ever seen Jesus with these eyes yet. But someday we will. But right now, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, someday... Our faith will be sight. We will see the one that we have embraced and trusted in. 
And I love the way uh, the confession in the chapter on saving faith describes faith. Uh, it talks about a lot of aspects of faith, and we're going to look at some of those here in just a little bit. But it says, but the principal act of saving faith is receiving and resting upon Christ alone as he is offered in the gospel. And here we see in Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these men and women who walked by faith, let us also lay aside. Last Lord's Day morning, we looked at uh, 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 the teaching of Holy Scripture about repentance. And that's part of the gospel in the gospel of Mark. Chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we read about a summary statement of the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read, uh, well, you keep your finger there in Hebrews, we'll come back to it. But look in Mark chapter 1. And here's this summary statement in verse 14 and 15 of Jesus' public ministry. Verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so what is the gospel? The gospel is repent and believe in the gospel, in the message of life and hope that is Jesus himself, his person and his work that culminated in him laying down his life as that spotless lamb on the cross and being raised from the dead. Jesus tells us repent and believe. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, the principal act of saving faith is to receive and rest upon Jesus alone for our redemption. And so when we think about the things to come, you know, none of us have ever experienced dying. None of us have ever been raised from the dead. <laughs> Not yet, but we will someday. None of us have ever seen Jesus with these eyes, but we will. But now we walk by faith. And uh, as I was thinking about, well, what, what would, if, if I had one more opportunity to share with, with God's people before the Lord takes me home, what, what would I want to, to share? And so that's what we're looking at uh, this, this morning that God calls upon us to be a people who walk by faith, who look to Jesus, who embrace him, who love him, who cling to him, uh, who give ourselves to him, who seek to follow him. And so we see, how do we run the race of life? Well, it is to have faith. And what does that mean when all is boiled down to the very a uh, 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 sweet, uh, um, you can think about making maple syrup. You know, they tap maple trees and they get this juice. 
and and they have to boil it down. And at the beginning of the season, when the juice is, you know, more hearty, it takes about 20 to 25 gallons of juice to boil down to make one gallon of maple syrup. Towards the end of that time, uh, when they're tapping the trees, it can take up to 40 gallons of juice. Uh, and they boil it down to get one. Well, when you boil all of what we uh, are to be thinking of, when we think about what does it mean to have faith, the very essence of having faith is looking to Jesus. It is to receive and rest upon Christ alone for our salvation for our life, for justification, for sanctification, uh, uh, for the future. It is to receive and rest upon Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the author, he's the one who purchased our redemption, and the finisher, he's the one who applies it and will take us to heaven who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and where is he now? Is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so Jesus is given to us here. Not only is he the content of our faith, but he is the one that we look to to learn what it means to have faith. Uh, that's what he did. He, in uh, of faith, confidence, laid down his life on the cross. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, when we think about what does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight, it is to be looking to Jesus. Uh, he's our great prophet. He's the one who tells us the truth, speaking uh, the gospel to our hearts. And the whole of the Bible is his message as our, our, our uh, Savior. Uh, he's our great high priest. Um, he purchased redemption for us, and now he's alive praying for us. And we have fellowship with God because of his ministry ongoing as our great high priest. And the reason we can think and understand is because of the ministry of Jesus as our great prophet. He's the one who is convincing us of the truth of God's word by his spirit. And then, of course, he's our great king. And I love the little child's catechism. You know, it, it's very simple, very blunt. Why do I need Jesus as my prophet? Because, left to myself, because I am ignorant. Not real flattering, but it sure is true. Left to myself, I don't know who I am. I don't know who God is. I don't know what's right and wrong. But praise God, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And so the principal act of saving faith is receiving and resting upon Jesus alone. 
Why do I need Jesus as my priest? Because I am guilty. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen in Adam. And praise God, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. Why do I need Jesus as my king? Because I am weak and helpless. Left to myself, I'm easy pickings for Satan, for the sin that would arise from within my own heart, uh, from the world, uh, from the realm of darkness. Um, we need a Savior. And praise God, we have one by the grace of God. His name is Jesus. Well, not only do we have uh, faith uh, described um, in this chapter focusing on the heart of the matter. One more example of that in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, turn back with me and we see the content of this faith being specified uh, in the life of Moses. And I think it's very striking that it is Moses uh, that, that is highlighted here explicitly as trusting in Jesus because so many people in our day and time think that the law doesn't have anything to do with grace or the gospel. And we are not saved by keeping the law. And the law, even the law of God, is unable to save us. That is all very true. But Moses, when he was uh, uh, writing uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what was it that captured his heart? What was his faith in? And Scripture tells us. Uh, here we see the testimony of one of these men explicitly it being said. Here's the content of Moses' faith. Uh, uh, look with me in chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Um, hard for us to imagine the uh, wealth of the pharaohs of Egypt. I, I mean, they had anything and everything money could buy. And for Moses to grow up in that home, uh, he didn't just grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. He grew up with a literal golden spoon in his mouth. And Moses turned his back on all of that wealth and all the world had to offer. Why? Because he considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Uh, he was looking to the Christ um, as, as he would be moved later in his life by the Holy Spirit to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
what was it that had captured his heart? It was the great I am. And we could go over to John chapter 5, and Jesus said, Moses wrote about me. And he was condemning the Pharisees of his day who said that they trusted in Moses and wanted to follow Moses, but they refused to believe in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, Moses wrote about me. Moses saw me. And that was what animated and gave Moses life. Uh, the same thing with Abraham. We could go over to John chapter 8. So we could look at uh, other examples in the scriptures. David is mentioned here. We could go over to Acts uh, chapter 2 and read about the content of David's faith. And Psalm 16, Peter says, David wasn't writing about himself, but he was writing about Messiah who would not only die, but be raised from the dead. Uh, Psalm 110 is quoted. David wrote that psalm. And the content of his faith, the content of Abraham's faith, the content of Moses' faith, it's the same thing of seeing the beauty and the glory of Jesus and receiving and resting upon Christ alone. Well, there are other aspects of faith that flow out of that. And um, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 now. We want to look at just a few uh, of these things. And let me um, read for you in the confession the description of these other aspects of saving faith. And this is in uh, chapter 14, uh, paragraph 2, okay? By this faith, talking about the, the work that God has, has done to give us a heart to believe in Jesus. And I'll just mention this. Um, we could spend a lot of time talking about this. But um, in uh, the first paragraph, it says the grace of faith, the gift of faith. And it's called a gift in Ephesians chapter 2 whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts. And I would encourage you to look up all these scripture verses. And is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word. Ordinarily. Now, God is not limited. He, he can use any... Uh, uh, extraordinary means he's pleased to to work faith in a person's heart but ordinarily the tool that he uses is the word of God the Bible the preaching of the gospel and you can just think about uh, who shared the gospel with you it maybe was a friend it maybe was your mom or dad or a grandmother or a stranger or somebody you heard on the radio or somebody who had written a gospel track that had left it in some odd place and you happened to pick it up, uh, or uh, somebody left uh, a Gideon's Bible 
in a, a, a motel, uh, a dresser drawer. Um, but ordinarily, it is the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses. And we see that in Romans chapter 10. Um, how are people going to believe, have faith, if they don't hear? And how can they hear unless somebody is sent by God to tell them? Well, um, the first paragraph goes on and says, By which also this ministry of the Word is the primary tool that God uses, but also by the administration of the sacraments in prayer it is increased and strengthened. And, and it's interesting that the Bible teaches the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's not what saves us. But it is a testimony to the gospel. And so whenever we see baptism and the Lord's Supper rightly administered, uh, it increases and strengthens our faith. And the reason I, I took the time to uh, just remind you of that, not only is the Word of God what God used to work faith initially, but if you ever find yourself struggling, now you probably never have, but when I do, what does God want us to do? Well, there is no quicker, better, more important thing or tool that we could utilize than to go to the Word of God and just begin reading and praying over God's Holy Word when we're struggling, when we're weak, uh, when we're discouraged. And we've all experienced that when we're having times of struggle, what is it that Satan would work overtime to prevent us from doing? Praying, reading the scriptures. We don't feel like it, do we? But that thing is the most necessary thing that we must and ought to do. And so we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. And too often I'm like Peter, you know. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and walk on the water. So far, so good. And Jesus bids him get out and he's walking on the water, but then what does Peter do? Peter forgets. Who Jesus is, he forgets who he is. And he begins to look at the wind and the waves and what happens to Peter. Starts going down. And then he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus graciously reaches out his hand and pulls Peter back up. Well... Second paragraph, by this faith, a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word. For the authority of God himself speaking therein and acteth differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands, 
trembling at the threatenings and embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. And so Hebrews 11 talks about all of these other aspects. Uh, We see, for example, Mr. Noah. Okay? Uh, We have indication that there had never been rain. Now, if that indeed is, is correct before the flood, it makes it even more astounding that Noah would spend decades building this humongous ship. Um, I mean, can you imagine what ridicule and mocking this man endured? And we know he did uh, from the book of Second Peter chapter 2 and the book of Jude. Uh, as Noah is building, uh, people were scoffing. Um, there's never been a worldwide flood, and Noah is building a ship, uh, and, you know, people are saying, Hey, Noah, what you doing? What you up to, buddy? I mean, surely it would have been the talk of the whole uh, uh, place. And uh, Noah says, Well, God told me to Build this ship. Noah is nuts, isn't he? Isn't Noah nuts? This man walked by faith. Not only did he look to the Christ, but faith also believes everything that God says in his word to be true. Um, it, it, It trembles at the threatenings. Uh, When God says, if you do that, that displeases me and it will have consequences, we we say, well, I I don't want to be unfaithful to my husband or my wife because that would be displeasing in God's sight. I'm not going to look at pornography because that's not pleasing to God. Uh, We tremble at the warnings of God and we embrace the promises of God of God. Uh, We rejoice when God tells us. Uh, Here's here's a promise. Um, When God says children are a blessing from the Lord, we we say, yes, that's a sweet promise. When we read that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, what a sweet promise. We embrace the promises. Romans 8, 28. We know that God calls us all things to work together for good. Well, that brings us to our handout. You thought I'd forgotten. I know. Okay, so here we go. On page 115, the pilgrims had signed a compact on the boat called the Mayflower Compact. Anybody ever heard of the Mayflower Compact? Now, I didn't print it off for you, but you can go online and read it. And basically, the Mayflower Compact was 
a compact that said we are pledging our goods to be in common with each other. And what happened? Well, it didn't work. It was an utter failure. And so let's read the bottom of page 115, uh, the, the last paragraph, the failure of this experiment of communal service, which was tried for several years, and by good and honest men proves the emptiness of the theory of Plato and other ancients applauded by some of latter times that the taking away of private property and the possession of it in community by a commonwealth, and he's referring to the Mayflower Compact now, which would make a state happy and flourishing. That was, that was the uh, uh, lie that they had embraced. As if they were wiser than God. Now, I want you to underline that little statement. He says, we weren't walking by faith. We didn't heed what God said in his word, and we were acting as if we knew better than God Almighty how to order a society in terms of its economy. For in this instance, community of property, so far as it went, turn the page, was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment, which would have been to the general benefit and comfort for the young men who were most able and fit for service objected to being forced to spend their time and strength in working for other men's wives and children without any recompense. The strong man or the resourceful man had no more share of food, clothes, etc. than the weak man who was not able to do a quarter the other could. This was thought injustice. The aged and graver men who were ranked and equalized in labor, food, clothes, etc. with the humbler and younger ones thought it some indignity and disrespect to them. As for men's wives who were obliged to do service for other men, such as cooking, washing their clothes, etc., they considered it a kind of slavery. And many husbands would not brook it. They wouldn't stand for it. This feature of it would have been worse still if it had been men of an inferior class. If it was thought all were to share alike and all were to do alike, then all were on an equality with throughout, and one was as good as another. And so, if it did not actually abolish those very relations which God himself has said among men, it did at least greatly diminish the mutual respect that is so important should be preserved amongst them. Let none argue that this is due to human failing rather than to this communistic plan of life in itself. I answer, seeing that all men have this failing in them, that God in his wisdom saw that another plan of life was fitter for them. And so what was it, this other plan? Well, it's what we see in Scripture. For example, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 28. When somebody becomes a Christian, they learn to put off the old way of thinking and to put on the new man in Christ. 
and in terms of how you order society and economy, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather what? Let him labor with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In other words, you work, you gain wealth for yourself to take care of you and your own family, and then when someone around you is in need, voluntarily you minister in the name of Jesus to them. But you see, socialism, communism says, the state by force is going to equalize everything. Well, God calls us to walk by faith. And that means we look to Jesus and it means then out of that that we seek to heed the word of God. Uh, obeying the commandments, in, uh, uh, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promises. Well, next time uh, I have the opportunity to sub, maybe we will take a look more at uh, passages of Scripture that uh, Mr. Bradford says we should have paid attention to. And we'll talk more. We didn't get quite as far today as I had thought, but anyway. We walk by faith, not by sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so clear and powerful and mighty. It teaches us of you, Lord Jesus, and then it teaches us how to live in every facet of our existence to please you in Christ. Lord, bless and encourage us now and prepare our hearts to worship. In Jesus we pray, amen.